everyone welcome to the one foot down podcast i'm your host joshua vol site manager emperor supreme warlord and defender of the faith and with me tonight we got a uh, a wide uh, variety of uh, characters from uh, ofd land uh brad wechter uh editor covers a lot of hoops action for us jude seymour editor covers a little bit of everything and he is our uh spreadsheet slave and uh lino garcia is in to talk a little hockey so we got just a little bit of everything. Uh, guys, how you doing? Great. Good to be here. Bad. It's a little doing cold great. in Chicago, but... <laughs> it's a little cold in Detroit here, too. I think we're uh, finally above zero for the first time in a few days. Uh, we're still below. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think we're sitting around six degrees, man. So I am smoking hot right now. So the, the house is finally evening itself out between heat, between upstairs and downstairs, which is tricky in a hundred year old house yes so um well yeah so everybody survived the the deep freeze and and uh we're all moving on here so uh for our listeners just let you know we are this is the the new generation of uh ofd podcast and we as we move along uh, move away from uh wes and and martin and their lovely voices um we are going to be trying some different things. And uh, so last week we did one thing and this week we're doing a different thing. So I'm not going to apologize to any of you for any of this because you bastards don't have to do this. So, but uh, it may get, uh, may get a little tricky here and there, but, um, but I think it'll be all right. And in the, in the future, I think everyone's going to like what they hear. So, all right, just a little bit of news today. Uh, Notre Dame got a, a commitment for the 2020 class and it was kind of a special commitment because the kids from Germany, Alexander Ehrensberger, uh, defensive lineman, the, the dude is 6'7". Dude, what do you know about 6'7 defensive ends? Uh, I know that uh, that's, a, that's a good starting height for a defensive end. That would be a, put, a little, put a little weight on him. He could be a fearsome uh, defensive end. Did you watch all his workout, workout I, stuff? You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I was doing some research tonight for the for the article that I wrote for One Foot Down, and uh, basically Mike Elston had told him in a visit, um, you know, here are the here are the training uh, modules I want you to go through, and I want you to videotape yourself and put it out there. And the kid did exactly that every single day. He was he was in there uh, grinding, as the as the youngins like to say. Yes, and, uh, and uh, he he uh, he showed basically what he could do and. And, uh, you know, look, you're just, you're watching guy, a guy move against air. So it's, I, I don't know how, you know, how much you can tell. I'm, you know, I'm not an expert in that, in these kind of things, but, uh, uh, I, I think it's a good start. And I think just like, uh, Ade Ogundeje, uh, you know, you can just, if you got the right, um, kind of, uh, starting point, you can build him into kind of something, uh, a lot, a lot more fearsome. And if you give him a couple of years. I got to tell you, when I watched him, the only thing I could see, or really the only thing I could hear in my mind, I, dude, that was Ivan Drago. That was totally the scene <laughs> out of uh, Rocky Four when they're, when they're in the lab and they're cooking it up. 
So, I mean, I'm sure they, they hit the steroids from the Twitter video, but uh, just joking. But, uh, I mean, that's what it kind of looked like. That dude looked intense. Uh, I don't remember ever being that intense when I was in high school. Uh, I, maybe that's why I didn't play, uh, for, uh, you know, big-time college football. But, uh, I mean, that was some intense, intense action there. So, I mean, Notre Dame going abroad. To me, it kind of scares me a little bit because of Jack Swarbrick's uh, all his past comments about playing international games. I just feel that this gives him more fire, uh, you know, for that cause. The but uh, someone did note, someone did point out that playing a game in Germany in October would not be a terrible thing. So, uh, I think I think a lot of people might like playing a game in Germany in October. So. Think about uh, how many violation of team rules there could possibly be uh, with that scenario. You're in a different country, though. Which rules are you going by? <laughs> I, I mean, enough. I guess uh, as long as you can pass a P test when you come home. I mean, they're not going up to Amsterdam. Um, <laughs> well, you know, Malik, Malik Zaire famously quipped that he would play on the moon if they let him. So, uh, I, you know, Germany can't be too far ahead of the moon, you know. I think uh, Malik Zaire has famously quipped just about anything you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's good news for their class and it's a good good start for their 2020 class you know with uh with pine and the and the tight ends um so they're they're off to a good jump i know we're still not done with the 2019 cycle and it's a huge pet peeve of mine to start talking about the next cycle until the next one's up but that's just the way of the world i guess i guess early signing days really really beef that up uh but I, I've seen a lot of like offers going out for the 21 kids and just like, I don't care. I, I really do not care about uh class of 2021 offers. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like we'll learn their names once they commit to the Irish, you know, other than that, that's uh, all just sort of uh, f- filler on Twitter for now. Well, you know, and it just all happens like a, it, it, it all happens like within a certain time frame, right? Like they just all start going out and like once one school does it, like the dominoes start falling for, for a kid. So it's like you get this mad rush. It's just like pfft, it's like twenty in a day. I saw. I, I don't remember a single name, you know. So right. and and I think that you know Notre Dame loves being in this position now where they've they've gotten twenty nineteen almost so sewed up that they can work on twenty twenty and 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 you know to a lesser extent twenty twenty one. So this is exactly where they wanted to be. This is how and this is how they always want to stay ahead. And so we'll be making the same complaint about 2022 kids uh, at this time next year. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, the early signing period has been, been really good for a school like Notre Dame, but I mean, in a way, I mean, does it, I, I, I'm going to have to scratch off one of my uh, three questions for you at the end, but do you miss the old, the old way a little bit just because, you know, we're, we're less than a week away from national signing day and there is like no joy in Mudville, you know, I mean, it's just like, no, there's no excitement. There's no message board post from some random guy who says, Hey, I got the scoop from this dude at seven 11 at 2 AM. I mean, it just feels like there, it's, it's very sanitized compared to before, you know, I guess it was just two years ago and then back, but that did feel a little, le- there's just a lot less excitement. I mean, even, and you would think they would make up for that on the early signing day as it is in December, but it's not because you know all those guys there hasn't been that that drama yet. I mean I guess Turner was in a way, but uh it just it I don't know. What's what's your feelings about it? 
I just, uh, you know, I see these things as the new normal and to, to cut into uh, the old day job, um, you know, New York is moving up its, its primaries, um, you know, elections from September to June. And that means we're all going to be passing petitions here in the snowbanks in February. And, you know, people are, are tearing their hair out. And I just think, you know, the first year it's going to take some acclimating and, and we're in the, you know, kind of the first or the second year of this whole, uh, this new to new normal for recruiting. And, um, and then I think it just becomes so commonplace that, uh, you start to forget what kind of the old way was like. So I, I just see it as a, as a changing of the times and, and not a bad thing. And I think Notre Dame is, is absolutely capitalizing on it. So, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty satisfied and, and, uh, I don't, I don't long for the old days. I think this is forward progress. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, so moving on here, we're going to, we're going to talk a little, little hockey and, uh, I can tell you, we've got Lino on here for that. And I can tell you right now that, uh, I do follow the team, but I am not, uh, I am not a huge, I don't have a whole lot of hockey knowledge. I was a huge Red Wings fan, uh, you know, my whole life. And all right, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know, Lino and I are both, uh, Eastern Michigan people. Uh, (laughs) and so, you know, I was up there for the, for the, you know, the mid nineties, uh, run that they had, uh, which was the most, uh, if you guys have never tailgating is one thing. All right. But let me tell you something about the Red Wings and their playoff runs. Up in Ipsy, I don't know how it even happened. Every single porch, every single spot on an apartment, all that during that playoff run, there's parties. I'm like, where, how the hell is there all these people here? First of all, you know, school's go out, everybody's gone, and, and Ypsilanti itself is kind of half dead. But then, <laughs> but then here comes the Red Wings, you know, through the playoffs. And that was back with the, you know, the big thing with the Avs and all that. I mean, it was just intense. And there was just people everywhere on every porch, every balcony. It was uh, it was pretty intense. So Ypsilanti is a good time, which is ironic because it's so close to Ann Arbor, which is probably my least favorite city in the world. So, uh, yeah, no, Ypsilanti was always pretty good to me and during my time there. Oh, Ann Arbor, fuck that town. That fucking whore. <laughs> no, Ann, Ar- yeah, Ann Arbor is awful. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right, though. I mean, that run that the Red Wings had for about uh, 15 years there, just an incredible run. The rivalry with the Avalanche, it was just the best time to be a hockey fan. Man, that's that's what we're talking here. So we we, we got some action here talking about uh, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame hockey. So, so tell me here, I mean, obviously the team isn't uh, not doing quite as well as they did last year, That which was an incredible run, uh, you know, for the Irish all the way to the title game. Uh, it, and it's a Kind of a surprise loss to uh, Minnesota Duluth, who, who uh, sn- wasn't it? They snuck into uh, the tournament because of because uh, of a win Notre Dame had prior. Was that? Was that what yeah, happened? ironically, they weren't even supposed to make the tournament, but uh, because of a Notre Dame win, a rather meaningless win, pretty late in the season, they were able to get in. And uh, yeah, they shocked the college hockey world by uh, going all the way and winning their second national championship. A huge upset. Um, and a huge heartbreaker for for Notre Dame fans. I was not expecting that. I was fully expecting that magical run that Notre Dame was on last year to continue. So, uh, you know, it's, oh, and it was it's just, been a pretty, yeah, very hard. Yeah, it was amazing, man. It re- it really was. And I, you know, I had I had my whole family down for that run. I uh, the boys were going nuts, and I'll tell you what I what I was really proud of. And and I'm starting to get more and more into Notre Dame hockey over the last uh, probably five years or so. 
And what was cool is when I had my son at the Ball State um, game this year, and when they that's when they introduced the uh, the Notre Dame hockey team, and he kind of saw it coming, and so he's like, "Hockey, yeah!" And he's <laughs> he's getting up cheering before I kind of knew what was going on, and I thought mm-hmm. that was pre- I thought that was pretty dope. And then the stadium started chanting Rudy's name because the uh, the kid that that uh, that was sick that they attached to the team that was that was awkward. So yeah, last year was absolutely fantastic. And we get hit this year a little bit and, and add some dips. But we're still, what, we're still five points out of the Big Ten uh, race. Talk, talk a little bit about uh, Notre Dame's uh, chances in the Big Ten. And then, um, God, I can't, that's such a weird thing to say. It um, is weird to think about, yeah, <laughs> here in Notre Dame uh, in the same breath as, you know, Big Ten champions like they were last year in college hockey. Uh, well, yeah, you said, uh, you know, you mentioned whether or not they could kind of repeat the same run that they had last year. Um, They they did get off to a little bit of a slow start, uh, tripped up out of the gate a little bit there. Um, But I'm really focused on this weekend. This weekend, they go to Columbus to play the Ohio State Buckeyes Friday night, Saturday night, Value City Arena in Columbus, Ohio. This is probably, now granted they have seen Ohio State earlier this season, split a series with them in November. Ohio State will more than likely be the best team they see all year. Um, Ohio State right now is ranked number five in the country in the pairwise rankings, which uh, is is how the college hockey tournament gets determined. They're ranked number five, Notre Dame number 14. So they're in right now. Uh, The next few weeks will will be pretty important for them, though. But the good news is they are trending in the right direction. They got off to a little bit of a slow start in January. Uh, If most if there was one game all year that uh if you watch one Notre Dame hockey game all year it was probably that outdoor game at Notre Dame Stadium against Michigan um unfortunately they they lost that one and then they got swept by Minnesota at home right after that so that wasn't good but the past two series have looked a lot more encouraging they, what's uh, what's been the difference there in, in their style of play because because there it, it seems pretty drastic I mean, the team kind of played with a lot of, but not a lot. They played with low energy, from what I can tell yeah. from the Michigan game, and then and then even in that uh, that Minnesota series, uh, catch a little bit of that. Yeah, and and that's that's uh, what it has been. Is the energy's been a lot higher, right? And and scoring is something that uh, that's finally come together for them as well. In the past two series, they played. Uh, they beat Wisconsin uh, in game one of the Wisconsin series, scored six goals on them, scored six goals against Michigan State in the first game of that series. So that's one thing that they've really been lacking since Big Ten play has started. Uh, I saw a stat earlier about how Notre Dame was last in scoring in Big Ten, in Big Ten play uh, you know, against uh, Big Ten opponents, which is kind of surprising considering their scoring – a little more than three goals per game overall. So conference play, just that was that was the uh, that kind of you know it, it impacted them a little bit. I don't know why because these are teams that they saw last year. It's not like last year. Last year was right. the inaugural season in the Big Ten. So you know these are defenses, these are goaltenders that they're maybe a little more familiar with, um, but. You know, the good news is it is trending in the right direction. And like I said, a big weekend series at Ohio State, though. So uh, we'll have a little bit clearer of a picture on what the future has in store for this team after this weekend, I think. 
Right. And you said you said uh, Ohio State's uh, ranked fifth in pairwise right now? Yeah, they're ranked uh, fifth in the country. And this is probably the best offense that uh, that Notre Dame is going to see this year outside of Penn State. Who, who are, uh, you know, for a lot of people that are listening to this may not know, but uh, what, are, what are the rankings right now? Do you, do you know, I'll put you on the spot here. The, the top, you know, who's the, who's the top two teams right now in, uh, in hockey? Yeah, the top two teams right now are St. Cloud State, St. Cloud, Minnesota, and UMass, University of Massachusetts. Um, Pairwise actually has them both at number one, and then right underneath them are the defending champions, the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, uh, and then followed by Quinnipiac, and then Ohio State finishes out your top five. Um, I think so Minnesota aside, Duluth is going to become my new hatred. Yeah, that, yeah, that really. loss was so that loss was so brutal. I think last year. I think I think they're stepping on uh, like on Michigan football territory for me right now. It used to be really? BC in hockey. Like let's go beat them. But that, I think that program's took a pretty pretty sharp turn downward, hadn't they? Yeah, they really have, uh, especially teams teams out in the Boston area. You know, you got BU and uh, you know you've got Maine up there. B, BC's kind of fallen into a uh, a level of being irrelevant for the past few years. But, you know, if Minnesota Duluth, they've, you know, you mentioned your hate for them. They've kind of sneakily turned into a little bit of a dynasty here. That last year was their second championship in three years. So they're going to be right there in it again this year. Definitely a threat to repeat as national champions, which is surprising to a lot of people. Bastards, bastards. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, Hey, thank you very much. Lino, for all that. Uh, and uh, how can, uh, how are Notre Dame fans going to be able to watch? I think, I think uh, even the, the, the casual Irish hockey fan might be, will be pretty interested in this weekend's game, games against uh, Ohio State. How, how can they, uh, they watch them? Well, uh, I live in a Big Ten state, so it's not too tough for me because the game on Friday will be on Big Ten Network Plus. And the game on Saturday will be on Big Ten Network to go. So I know it's, like you said earlier, it's a little bit weird thinking of Notre Dame in the Big Ten, but definitely got to utilize the Big Ten Network uh, and what it has to offer if you're going to be able to catch Notre Dame hockey. There are a lot of games that you can catch on NBC Sports Network because they do have an agreement with NBCSN. However, with this upcoming series being on the road, uh, yeah, Big Ten Network Plus and Big Ten Network to go is the way to go. All right, excellent. And you guys can uh, and we don't, we got the preview up. We put it up yesterday. It's because it, it's a big series. We want to make sure yeah. it's a big, big time weekend coming up. So I want to make sure everybody uh, uh, is geared up for that. And I just, man, I just cannot get over this whole Big Ten thing. My my biggest fear, and it, it's not fear because it will it'll happen if it happens. If if Notre Dame would have won a national championship last year, the Big Ten swallows that up as another national championship in their belt. Yeah, which is oh, just, yeah, that's right. You know, you know, and if it, if we would have had any other national titles prior, they they would have just like they did with James Madison and lacrosse, or was it? Oh, uh, not James Madison, but uh, John Hopkins, because they play in the uh, the Big Ten and lacrosse, so they have like twenty five national titles, whatever it is. So oh. all of a sudden, and and Maryland has a few, so they go to the Big Ten and they just swallow them up and and own them. It's just I feel dirty and icky. But, well, uh, hey, Notre Dame owns the Big Ten. The one and only season they've been in the Big Ten, they won it. So, do you think it? Do you think it was a good? So far, do you think it was the right move for Notre Dame hockey? Do you think that this has been a? I mean, obviously, last year going through going through the Big Ten like a hurricane and and coming out with the with both the regular season and the tournament title, um, you know, was a great thing. But do you think long run this is a, this is a really good move for Notre Dame? 
Absolutely. I mean, I hate all these teams in the big time just as much as anybody else. But for prior to last year, Notre Dame was in the hockey East, which really didn't make any sense for them because they had to travel out East almost you know, every other weekend. Whereas all the other teams that conference were all pretty close to each other. The reason why they're in this spot right now is because the CTHA, which was kind of the predecessor to the big 10 hockey conference uh, became disbanded. So that had a lot of the same teams that you see now in the Big Ten. It had Notre Dame, it had Michigan, Michigan State, um, Lake Superior State, who's also located here in Michigan, a lot of those schools. Uh, So when that went away, you saw Michigan and Michigan State join this Big Ten Hockey Conference. Notre Dame heads out east to the Hockey East, where logistically this just makes a lot more sense. And obviously with Ohio and Michigan and even Wisconsin being close to Notre Dame, you know, the university, it's it's not hard for their fans to make it out to, to some more games and do a little bit of traveling for the hockey team. So I love it. I hope it continues. And I hope Notre Dame continues to win the Big Ten every single year. All right. Excellent. So, like I said, we're not uh, pros here, so I really have no, uh, no tr- solid transition here. Uh, I'll figure one out uh, as the summers go on. But uh, we appreciate all the, all the hockey talk there. Um, that's about as good of a fake Canadian accent I'm going to get. Um, but oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just talk about it a little bit. Um, so, uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna move on to something less bright on the horizon, and that's uh, Notre Dame basketball. We're gonna and uh, we're gonna talk to Brad a little bit about that. And Brad, things are looking pretty rough right now, so I guess let, let, let's let's be nice, let, let's put on our you know, our. Our good, our good tunes, you know, and sit back with a good drink, and let's uh, let's start looking at some rainbows. Tell me what is good about Notre Dame basketball right now and going into the future. Well, I'll tell you what's good right now. If you haven't been watching, is is John Mooney. He's he's putting up a spectacular season. He's probably the one thing that we recognize about this Notre Dame team compared to some of the past teams that Mike Bray has had. He's an older guy. He's being a leader out there, and he's one of like five players in the NCAA averaging a double-double. So he ought to, uh, ought to get some looks for some postseason accolades. And if, if you do happen to catch a game, which I wouldn't blame you for uh, skipping them right now, it's teams in the midst of a five-game losing streak. But uh, if you do happen to watch a game, he's worth watching. Do you think I, – I, I wrote about this uh, last week a little, just a little bit. Do, do you think Mooney's getting overlooked by the national media? Because, uh, I mean, he really is having a stellar season. I mean, double-doubles are, are kind of a benchmark. Um, for players, and he's been whipping them out. Um, do you think he's a little overlooked because of just such star power within the ACC, um, or, do, or do you think it's about uh, you know about fair? Well, let's look at it this way: for the ninety-four feet with Jay Billis bit on uh, Big Monday, they were going to do it with Red Panda. I'm pretty sure they were not joking about that, or maybe they were. But instead, they did it with John Mooney because Red Panda couldn't make the game. So, yeah, I think he's being overlooked a little bit. Um, but at the same time, just in that game as a microcosm, he was talked about just as much as Zion Williamson, who's talked about more than uh, players playing in games that he's not even playing in but are being broadcast on ESPN. <laughs> you know so what's a damn shame. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's a microcosm. But I think overall, yeah, you don't hear his name too much. The list of players that are averaging double-doubles, it's, it's one power five um, John Mooney, I think a guy from Minnesota and then a couple guys from smaller schools that that's the only time their name comes up. So what's a damn shame is, uh, is Pat was going to be on this, 
podcast tonight too. And uh, he's having a fancy dinner with fancy people. Um, so that bastard can join us. But, <laughs> but I would like to have known his uh, get more insight on him because of he's such a, a John Mutton, uh, John Mooney fan and Red Panda uh, super fan. Uh, I'll <laughs> get his take on, on who he would have rather had walking the floor with Billis. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know what direction he'd go there. Well, and I will say this about Pat, just reading his uh, recaps on One Foot Down, you know, his tone, it should be the attitude we're all taking. We're not expecting much. We're keeping a great sense of humor, and we're just trying to enjoy Red Panda and John Mooney. We're, we're good with that. Yeah, listen, listeners. I, I said listening to – anyways. Pat puts up the best recaps. Not the, not the quick recaps. We all, we all throw that down real quick after the game, but – when uh, when Pat gets to a game and uh, he's sitting in that press row, uh, he takes some notes. He takes some seriously good notes, and he, he's got the. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll pull out the hyperbole. I mean, he's got the the best recaps in the business, hands down. I mean, you, you know, you could go to the game, and every you don't have to go to the game, and he will have every point that you need to know within that recap. They are solid. And you're absolutely right. Uh, he's had a pretty upbeat tone despite the, you know, it's a bad season. Um, so, and, you know, it, there's reasons for it being bad, right? I mean, we've, we're a young team and a lot of freshmen and we've had some injuries. So t- talk to me a little bit more about the, about the freshmen. I mean, they're getting a lot of, ton of playing time, a uh, ton of experience. Do you think that this is going to help some, hurt some? I mean, you know, for a while, Hub was in a pretty big hole, um, and he's crawled out of it a little bit. Um, but, you know, were you worried at all about, like, his confidence moving forward and, and, you know, not just for this season, but for next season? I think since those guys are still young and given what we know about Mike Bray and how he tends to connect with his players, I would be more optimistic about guys like Hub. And I think Dane Goodwin's shown some really good flashes. I think he put up 19 points against NC State in that loss. Um, and then obviously Carmody is going to be a, you know, a complete wild card because we only got to see him for a little while before he got hurt. Um, I, I would be less concerned about those guys and and moving forward and sort of approaching this as a learning experience and, and figuring out what you know D one basketball is like and what you need to do. Versus now I'm looking at a guy like DJ Harvey who's a sophomore and isn't coming along as quickly as I think people expected. I would be more concerned about him either sort of fading into the background or even looking to transfer after this year, if that makes sense. No, I, I, to me it does. But I guess the person I've been most concerned about all year has been uh, TJ Gibbs. Yeah. I just – his game has been uh, just completely off. And I, and I wrote about this too uh, the other day. It's just – you know, you, when you think about Notre Dame basketball, just like over the last couple of decades, there's always been a shooter on the team. I mean, a guy with um, – you know, maybe they're – it's not as cold as the ice in uh, Enrique's veins, but you know, a guy that could, could you know, could could help win you a, a game mm-hmm. uh, would turn it up. And I guess Gibbs was kind of the guy you're looking to. He had a pretty decent season last year and had games where he took over as a shooter. And this season, it just it, not not only has it just not seemed that way. It seems like he's been far away from that. And because of that, you know, no one else has really stepped up into that role. Um, you know, what's, what's up with Gibbs? You know, what's, what's going on there, you think? Sure. So I think uh, the combo of Gibbs and Farrell is vastly different than the combo of Gibbs and Hub. 
and even before uh, Fluger got injured, Gibbs and Fluger, uh, there's there isn't that guy like that guy that you're talking about last year was Farrell, and this year it's you know maybe Goodwin will turn into that role, but I don't see that ever being TJ Gibbs' role. Um, and I know he's dealt with uh, some sickness and. Yeah, I mean it's it's really tough to say. His his numbers aren't down, but like you say, his he just doesn't look the same. Yeah, and they're you know, and uh, wrote about this the other day on the site too. I mean this their shooting percentage is just awful. Yeah. Um and I, I I really just did a rundown for for what they've done in ACC play, but when I went and looked at their their overall rank, it was like like three hundred and twenty or some shit like that. It yeah. was horrid um overall you know and you look at some of the games where they shot really bad in a one like um was like the coppin state you know i think they shot 33 percent and you know (laughs) and won the and just barely survived that game um but then like going down to georgia tech and you're favored on the you know on the road and you shoot 32 percent it's just it's it's been a frustrating year because you just had you know you add that up with a couple games that I won't say they they lost it at the free throw line, but there have been some closer games where you know their free throws have just been awful. I think yeah. they've gotten a little bit better lately, but well, and it's been especially tough during this slide because you know you had the games against North Carolina and NC State that went down to the wire; they were close, yeah. and then but then you look at the games against Virginia and Duke, and Duke comes into Purcell Pavilion and shoots fifty three percent from three. They're like one hundred and third ranked three point shooting team, and we're watching. I've been fighting Irish who are normally good shooters. It's just, you know, it's especially hard. Yeah. And, you know, and then those, those games against uh, uh, the Tar Heels and NC State, they, that was the, I think the only two games in ACC play where Notre Dame shot over 40%. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just really, and they've had, and that, I guess that's what's more frustrating. It's, it's one thing to have a field goal percentage that's down and there's a lot of contested shots going up. But they're just making a lot of a lot of poor shot selections, and a lot of these have been open, bucket you know, open shots too as well. It's like a like a crazy mix of nothing is going to go in this bucket. Please come home, you know, just go home. Yes. Um, so I guess you would have to think that at some point, it, you know, they'd be dropping. And I guess that brings me to, to the final thing I want to go over with here is uh, Jude laid this out to me last week, you know about. Uh, the over under ACC wins and, mm-hmm. and uh, Jude being the, uh, the Vegas man, he is, he, he caught some heat today on the site for Notre Dame's over under for football next season. But uh, he kind of put it on me like three over under three ACC wins. Okay. What would you, what do you got there? You take the over, take the under, you know, we got one in the bag. Can Notre Dame get three more wins of the ACC? Looking at the schedule. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, it, I, I think it's a, gotta, it's a tough call. Yeah, I mean, you got to go to Boston College. He's a similarly middling team, but it's not like Notre Dame has shown an ability. Your lone to, win, too, in the, in the conference yeah. so far. Yeah, you got to go to Miami, back to Georgia Tech. Or no, Georgia Tech at home, yeah. right? Yeah. But still got to go to Virginia, to Florida State. It's just, you, yeah. You, you, got, you got Virginia Tech coming, up, coming to your house. You don't, you don't see two, two wins that, are, that make you want to take that. Yeah, and I mean two would just get you to three. So, yeah. so you know, three wins for the over. I, 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 I can't see it either. Um, I get, 
what was the uh, what was Notre Dame's record in the ACC that that first year? Do you remember? Was it four wins? Uh, it was bad. I can hear you looking it up right now. I don't. I don't remember what it was. I should have. But I mean, this has been that kind of a season. And but what happened? That was in what 2014. Yes. Yeah. So and then 2015 happened. Can, do you see any hope that Notre Dame has a turnaround from this year, like 2015, 2016 run? There's a way, but I don't know. I don't know how likely it is to happen. A lot of things got to happen. I mean, there's there's no Pat Connaughton, Jerry, and Grant on this team right now, right? Not right I mean, now. There's, there's nobody. There, is there? So the eternal I mean, optimist sniffing at it. The eternal optimist in me wants to say things like, well, you know, Prentice Hub isn't going to shoot 23% from three for the rest of his career. Or, you know, DJ Harvey looks like he's starting to figure it out. There's more, there's more you know, pep in his step since his injury than we've seen since then. But at the same time, you got to think of, we don't, we don't know how Carmody's going to come along. We don't know how quickly Goodwin's going to come along. We don't know what we just, I mean don't think Jogo's ever going to figure it out. He put in, you know, his career high seven points against Duke. Oh uh, yeah. And that was an out of body experience for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Notre Dame actually had, uh, had six wins in the ACC in 2013, 2014. So, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a monumentally bad season for, for Mike Bray. I mean, this is, this is the polar vortex of Notre Dame basketball and it's last. Oh, it is. It, um, it broke down. And I, I love seeing the Weathermen fight over using the, the word. You got the guys who are like clickbait as hell, you know, like yeah. polar vortex. And you got the like, like you got like the, the blogger types like me that are doing that. And then you got like the athletic type, uh, you know, Weathermen will be like, it's actually not a polar vortex. It's the breakdown and blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I just don't throw that. Yeah. I've been noticing like a, like a, a fun battle. And you know you pay attention to the to the weather the last few you know last week because of all this. So all right, well, I guess we're moving on from that. I mean, this is definitely not one final thing on, on hoops here. This is not indicative of Mike Bray, correct? Not like, at all. Like, like this is like if if someone was going to start blasting Bray, this isn't a recruiting thing or a program thing or a or an on-court coaching thing. This is just kind of a pro. This is just kind of like a, what's going to happen because we're not Duke. Yeah, and, and I'll go back to something I said earlier. You know, John Mooney's like the one thing we recognize, the one thing that looks like something we've had for Notre Dame basketball in the past. And a lot of those other things are missing, and a lot of those other things have been consistent. So this is, yeah, this is the blip in the radar, I think. Yeah, all right. Well, hey, I think we got a good chance. Uh, the you know this weekend against BC, let's get that win uh, total to two here in February. So, <laughs> hey, Brad, I just want to jump in for a second. Just sure. a quick question: what what was there a moment or a game in which you finally it finally dawned on you like this whole season is just going to go south? Radford, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Radford was one of those... Well, okay, so again, eternal optimist. I've seen Notre Dame teams lose early on to teams like Radford or Detroit, or, or we've seen that before and still turn it around and be decent. But I think what I was really looking for was uh, for Notre Dame to compete in those early games against Oklahoma and UCLA, and they did. 
So I was still a little bit optimistic, but then, you know, you get into ACC play and just get steamrolled by Virginia Tech, and you think, you know, Virginia Tech's a very good basketball team, but double-digit losses to contenders in the ACC is not a good sign. Ugh. Yeah, it's been yeah, I was also wondering if it was losing your captain, uh, your named captain, in the beginning of the season that he'd go rather, rather go play at Siena than, than stick it out with Notre Dame. I mean, was that telling of some sort of breakdown between the team and the, the coaching staff? That felt more like just an odd thing to me. The one-off, like his problem yeah. versus a team-wide problem. Right, especially with... I think, you know, an influx of very good young players is not something that Notre Dame, the team who gets old and stay old, is used to having to deal with in terms of team chemistry. I mean, maybe that could have been off. Maybe, you know, Burns was expecting a little bit more in terms of his role and output, but I don't know that that was a rift more of just Mike Bray being a player's coach and saying, you know, you do what you got to do. And is this, but again, this is eternal a, optimist. So, <laughs> this is a team that's built for, for at least three. You know, we're, this isn't like I said. This isn't Duke. So this is a team that's gonna. These players are gonna be around, um, you know, for a few more years. So I mean, we're talking like, you know, in two thousand and twenty. Yeah, I'll just skip next year altogether a little bit. But two thousand and twenty, we're looking at a pretty solid base, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean, I guess I guess that's all we need to know. I mean, this isn't. Not life or death. It kind of, it's a shitty season. It sucks, but uh, you know, having a that I, I, was always my wish for Notre Dame football was was this Mike Bray situation we have. You know, one of the night one of the great things about college sports is, and maybe it's not so great, but it's kind of as we've seen in some cases, it's kind of like the deification of the coach, where, you know, I was always jealous. You know, throughout the for a long time as a Notre Dame fan, because some of these great college football programs would have these coaches stick around forever. And it's just like, that's the guy. Like you didn't question that the guy was going to, you know, you'd have your little smaller subsects of fans that would, that would, you know, debate about if it's time for this guy to go or whatnot, but you had this guy in place and he kept the program together and it was always seemed like it was moving forward. And I think Notre Dame basketball has that, you know, totally in check with, with Bray. So I, I guess, you know, that's a great feeling to have is like, all right, you know, it's a, it's a crap year. You know, I can't, I'm not sure what year we are in with Bray, but, you know, it's long enough where, you know, this is the guy, you know, at some point this is going to turn around. It, it won't be this year, but I think that you should see some improvement next year and moving beyond. And it, it's, you know, it, I think fans need to keep that, that perspective. You know, this is not the, as much as it looks like the John McLeod era, this is not the John McLeod era, so. And uh, you can always watch the women's team, too. They're pretty good. They are excellent, as a matter of fact. So, tough loss North Carolina last week, so. Yeah, I think that dropped them to, what, fifth in the polls? Yeah, but I think they're still talking number one seed, so. Uh, Louisville beat uh, Connecticut tonight, too, as well. Oh. No. oh. Yeah, uh-huh. three, three knocked out, too. So, there you go. So I think – to speak to the deification of the coach, they have that on the woman's side with Mumble Gras. So, that's you what know what was, you know what was great was um, Matt Green uh, doing our our women's hoop stuff, and he was uh, he was tweeting out though for the Louisville game, and he he messaged me. He's like, "God, these fans are brutal." 
And, you know, he had made some, you know, some remarks here and there about, about Louisville and this and that. And Louisville fans just like came jumping at him. And he was like, I'm getting attacked, you know, everywhere. It was just, it was kind of intense there for a minute, but I'm just like, man, that's nothing, you know, deal with the Notre Dame football loss and, yeah, you know, go talk to me. But, but what was kind of exciting was, you know, that it's women's basketball. And then you, you know, I guess he threw it out there, not thinking that there'd be too many people that care, but there's this nice, there's a, they got some solid rivalries, you know, on, uh, in Notre Dame women's basketball there, you know, Louisville, Connecticut, it's some solid stuff. You know, they're all like, ah, oh, see you in the NCAAs. I'm like, oh, you're not going to make the, you know, you're not going to see us in the SEC tournament. Go, you know, go figure. So. And support for the women's team is actually really strong in South Bend. I was actually at that Louisville game and students were not on campus, but it was a sellout. Yeah. My, uh, my niece, uh, special shout out uh, to, to my niece, uh, Gabby there, plays high school basketball in Indiana and they make the track up uh, in South Bend quite a bit for yes. games. I mean, and, and uh, it's, imp- you know, she always send the pictures back. It's impressive, really. Um, I mean, that program is impressive. I mean, Muffet, I mean, how she doesn't have a statue up, you know, maybe they're just waiting for her retirement, but it should be built like right now. Yeah, like there should be, there should be one in the shed sitting there. So the moment she retires, it gets wheeled out and that yeah. needs to just be like, bam, right there on campus. Uh, a giant statue of uh Muffet in her patent heels, of course. But uh, I just, it, it's just an, an amazing program, an amazing run. What she's been at, was it like 30 years now? Or was it, was it longer than that? I'm not sure. Yeah, we don't, we, there's not a whole lot of fat checking going on. No. I know Jude's sweating it in the background. I'm sure he's, ah, facts. But uh, she's, Muffet's been there a long time. Get the girl a statue because she deserves it. It's been an amazing program. All right. So, before you oh, move on, before you go, go ahead, on, I, uh, I maybe this is mildly embarrassing, but I went down this like internet K hole the other day where I was trying to figure out where Muffet's first name came from. Did you know that she had it legally changed before she went to college? Could you imagine you your, name being, your name is Anne and you decided to legally change your name to Muffet? That's like asking for shit, isn't it? Um, or maybe, or maybe you're just that fucking badass. That you could do that and get away with it. I mean, it's so funny because apparently it's a family thing. It's 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 the it's based off the nursery rhyme. She she doesn't like to tell the story, so the story's really never been told about how. But yet she, she's but she's the one that legally changed it, but she doesn't like talking about. It. Yeah, that's weird, right? That, that, <laughs> now that part I, is weird. I find if you legally funny. change your name to something different. I mean, I mean that's I, almost I, like print. How much did Prince talk about changing his name? Just, that, I, you I, know, just, that, I find it so funny that we just. We just talk about Muffet, so like, and nobody's like hey, Muffet. That's a weird name. And I got I got started because my I was talking to my wife, and you know she doesn't follow this at all. And she was saying her name's Muffet, like her real name. And I go, no, it's not a real name. And she's like, well, what's her real name? I'm like, I have no idea. And so you know, oh, do you think that puts later, my? I'm reading stories about Muffet McGraw and how she legally changed her name. So, and it just flows off. I mean, you think that puts Bray at a at a disadvantage? I mean, because you know you had Digger. And you had Muffet. I mean, <laughs> your name's Mike. I mean, <laughs> you can can get more normal unless you're like, you know, Sean. You know, if he was Irish or whatever going in there. But uh, that's interesting. I did I did not know that. Yeah. Anyways, continue on. <laughs> I mean, that's all. That's all the more reason to get the woman a statue. She's that badass. I mean, she went in and was like, I'm gonna own this name, Muffet. 
And they're like, all right. And she has. She's. I mean, I can't. I mean, maybe in the earlier days she caught some crap. Maybe you're right. But I can't remember seeing anything from anybody going to blow it or crap for her name. I mean, it's just Muffet. Completely you know? normalized this. I, I just oh. I found it amazing. I mean, how many Muffets do you know besides Muffet McGraw? Oh, man. You know, the, there, there's always the running joke about that. Was it Biff and Muffy? Is that what it, what it was? Like the 50s? Does that? I wonder. Does that where the name kind I'm of comes sorry, from? Sorry, Josh. We're all under forty years old. Besides yourself, for God's sake! I haven't heard that one. <laughs> no, a, anyone watch Caddyshack? What the chick's name? Muffy. <laughs> uh, show my age here. Break out my playlist, and you'll think I was fifteen. Okay. All right. So let's let's move on from uh, talking about old I am, and so we're we're. Uh, moving along pretty steadily here, but we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about football and uh, because uh, that is the breadwinner for, for everybody here. Uh, and I, I guess, so each week we're going to, if there's nothing really to talk about, we're going to throw, I'm going to throw something out there. And this week, I guess we're, I want to ask about, you know, the home slate. So everybody, Jude, Lino, Brad, let, let's uh, we'll get all your opinions. Uh, Notre Dame's home slate next year is, uh, not the coolest looking. Uh, so you, you got New Mexico, which, you know, by the way, if people don't realize that uh, Notre Dame is going to play Louisville at Louisville on Labor Day. And so then that following Saturday, they're off. So all that hope and excitement you have, all you got this whole long off season, and then college football hits. Well, you get it on Labor Day, and then you get the next Saturday off, and then New Mexico comes to town. So you, know, just, you better hold off on some of your excitement there. But we do okay. have two bye weeks, though. Yeah, I mean, that, so yeah, that's like the first bye week, basically. But having that like in the first couple of weeks is is pretty. It's weird. Well, it's just no fun. I mean, you want to yeah. jump into it a little bit, you know. But but yeah, they got New Mexico, um, uh, Virginia at home, Bowling Green at home, Southern Cal at home, Virginia Tech at home, Navy, and Boston College. Um, so it's not really like a. A, a slate to really get excited about. Um, it, it, I guess in my, maybe right now, maybe a few months from now, you start analyzing a little bit more and, and seeing, you know, Virginia Tech, they, they despite all their attrition, um, they're like the 11th ranked team coming back uh, with the returning production on both offense and defense. So I thought that was actually pretty interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, USC, big rival. Uh, Virginia was actually pretty, Pretty good last uh, last year. They had some close games they lost, um, but it's still just that there's it's lacking some sex appeal. So, as far as my eyes, let, let's get some opinions here, Jude. But let, let me just get it to you here first. What's I mean, your I, uh, thoughts on Notre Dame's home schedule? I, I think uh, I think one word: homecoming. Uh, you know, New Mexico, <laughs> the fighting Bob, the fighting Bob Davies of New Mexico. Uh, the Lobos, uh, you know, Bob will be coming back for his first visit uh, since uh, being deposed <laughs> after my uh, <laughs> after my glorious run with, with Bob. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't believe that people continue to employ Brian Van Gorder, but here he is with another job. Uh, he's at Bowling Green. And I now was he he was he went to Bowling Green as a linebackers coach. Right. And then but then their defensive coordinator left. So did he get the. Pro- promotion did he step into a dc job do you know 
I think he's still like assistant head coach linebackers or whatever. Okay. So if that was the original job that he got, then that's what he still has. But um, again, I don't know anything about Brian Van Gorder's uh, recent coaching career that makes you think that that's a guy that you would want on your staff. Um, but curious, <laughs> he's, he's back, um, you know, and uh, so you know, between him and, uh, and, and Davey, that's, that's kind of, those are kind of fun narratives that will probably be, uh, beaten to death, uh, when we get them. And then, uh, you know, uh, UVA coming in for the, I believe the first time to Notre Dame stadium. So that's kind of a, a kind of a new thing, but you know, I, I understand exactly what you're saying uh, on the face of it. It's not sexy, but you know, I, I, I just, it's hard to, it's hard to say who these teams are really going to be. And I, and I, and I appreciate Bill Connolly's article about returning production and your follow-up today about that. Um, and I'm actually surprised that Virginia tech is so high because I thought half of their team was in the transfer portal. Yeah. That but, was really shocking to me. I mean, yeah. that, it was really shocking to me when I started looking at those rankings and yeah. if, and people just, if you haven't read it yet, um, Notre Dame's 97th in returning production, just FYI there. So, uh, there, there's a lot going out the door for Notre Dame. Um, if you, if you didn't quite realize it, uh, that's, it's quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess my last thought is just that, you know, when I looked at the 2018 home schedule and I saw Florida state on there, I was, I was pretty excited, you know, 25th anniversary of the game of the century, uh, Florida state's always had a, a very good team, uh, you know, slip, obviously slipped a little bit in, in recent years, uh, coming into 2018. Uh, weren't quite the team that they had been, you know, maybe just five years prior or whatever. But I was still kind of had that game marked as as something that uh, was going to be uh, spectacular. And and you know, as we all know, that that did not come to pass. So I, I hate to say, you know, oh, it's uh, it's just BC or whatever, because uh, you know, with AJ Dillon and uh, you know some of the the young stuff that they've got going on there, uh, really could be it really could be quite interesting. Some of these games that we're not. That are not on our radar in January, but by come August, we're saying, oh, these actually could be legit. Okay. All right, uh, Brad, it's, uh, what, are you th- what are you thinking here? Well, just to piggyback off G's last point, that's a, sort of an experience I had when I randomly bought tickets to NC State in 2017 and went out and it was a top 15 matchup. Um, so, yeah, maybe there's some of those sitting in this, this list. Um, so I was really excited to find out that graduate students have access to an allotment of tickets for home games. And now I'm a little less excited about that, but <laughs> I really like to go see teams that, you know, I haven't seen before and Virginia and Virginia tech both fall under that. So that could be fun. I was there for the Virginia tech game in 2016. It was not fun. Right. That was, was that, <laughs> was that the rainy one or was that Miami? Nothing in two. Uh, it was it was bad weather. It was raining. Uh, okay. Miami was kind of cold and damp, but uh, Virginia Tech was cold. I think it might have been a little bit of snow prior to the game, actually. Um, but it was it was bad. It's bad all around. Yeah. So, Lino, what uh, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame's schedule at, at home, their home slate next year? Yeah, I feel pretty similar to uh, you know. To what everybody else said so far, I mean, coming into 2018, I thought the schedule would be a lot more tougher than, than it actually was on paper. Um, but I really don't think it's all that bad. I mean, 
Bowling Green, Josh, you and I are, it's well documented. We're very big Maction guys. Oh, yeah. I still think it's, I still think it's weird that Notre Dame plays Mac teams at home now, though. I mean, I remember uh, when Western Michigan came. This is almost 10 years ago now. And I believe they were the first Mac team to ever come to Notre Dame. Um, yeah. So, so that's a little bit different. Um, I mean, it's not something that I'd be looking forward to, but uh, for those who want to make the trek down to Notre Dame and don't want to pay about 300 bucks for a ticket, that's a great game to, to and save FYI, a little bit of Western money Michigan, on. Western Michigan comes back in 2020. Right, right, exactly. And uh, <laughs> Toledo in 2021, which is and we, uh, we gave we gave up we gave up a home game of Wisconsin, uh, yeah. but we have Western Michigan inside Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, lots of neutral games in 2020. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know USC that that that's always fun. You know, even though they're not you know, they're not living up to what we usually expect out of UFC. I was a little bit worried with Cliff Kingsbury going there, but you know how long that lasted. And uh, I think Virginia Tech would be exciting too. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not a team that we will now playing the ACC schedule. We, we see them a little bit more often, but uh, kind of like Florida state last year, you know, I think that's uh, that, that could grow into a pretty nice rivalry because that's a school that's traditionally pretty good at college football, even though Frank Beamer isn't there anymore. Uh, and then Boston college. I'm, I, I'm, I, I foresee that being uh foresee the weather being a little bit rough for that one, November 23rd at Notre Dame. So um, that'll be exciting. You know, that, that'll be senior day for, for the students, you know, rivalry, the Holy War, Boston College, that's all it's fun. But, yeah, it shouldn't be too much – shouldn't be too tough here uh, looking at the home schedule right now. Yeah, you know, that Virginia Tech game, and I, I got to tell you, uh, going back to that 2016 game, I, you know, I was, like, super impressed with Justin Fuente. Um, and back in 2016, they still brought the, uh, the opposing coaches into the same media room. Um, now they they had their own separate spot, and so it, it's Notre Dame does such a horrible job post game with with it take it just takes forever uh, to get these coaches and players out there anymore. Last year was just atrocious, but um, so I I probably won't make the trek down to to hear Justin talk, but but uh, I was super impressed with him post game um, with what he talked about, and just super impressed with you know the way his team played you know on the field, and I had just been I'm kind of in shock a little bit about what has happened at Virginia Tech uh, with all, you know, new coaches come in and, and there's always going to be some attrition uh, because, you know, it's, you're playing for a different guy, obviously, but, but uh, it's been so much of it. And then, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, we, we went into Blacksburg and, and beat up Virginia Tech pretty good, but you know, that was a pretty steady game for most of that first half. Uh, you know, so despite all the losses they had on defense, um, going in, they, they still gave us a, a, I thought a pretty fair game up until you know, finally we just started you know pulling away. Dexter Williams with an amazing run, but uh, yeah, yeah, that, I think that's the one game outside of SC, um, and maybe that's all we can really shoot for is you know, a, a, you know, a couple anymore games a year that uh, that are really solid home game, home games, and then you know you always you might have a surprise. I mean, you know, I. I can't see Bowling Green or, or or even Navy, who you know we talk about returning production. Navy was ranked 126 out of 130 teams in returning production for next year, so um, they got a big rebuild, and they they're coming off of a a pretty poor season by Navy standards. 
but maybe Virginia is that uh, is that game, you know, and you got such a lasting image of uh, of the Who fan hanging over the the wall uh, after the Will Fuller touchdown uh, in 2015. So maybe there maybe there's a little little bite back in that direction. So all right, well, thanks guys. Well, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to close this show with uh, with something we've been try- we've been talking about doing. So uh, basically, three questions here. Jude and I, we and we are not. This is not uh, professionally done. And how you know that is because I'm telling you, it's just three random questions that we're going to ask each other. You're going to get some uh, some quick answers, and no one knows what the question is beforehand. That's like the only gimmick we can we can provide here. So, uh, Jude, I'm going to give you my three. Are you ready? Can't wait to embarrass myself. Please hit me. Oh, it would be amazing. Trust me. <laughs> All right, you are forced to wear camo jerseys to get 10 wins or rainbow jerseys for 12 wins what are you going with oh my god i you just made this easy for me first of all i absolutely i mean not to disagree with our fearless leader here but i absolutely uh hate uh camo jerseys i don't believe in playing uh dress up with the military employed by the site (laughs) i'm gonna get fired (laughs) tomorrow or tonight probably uh (laughs) So this one's easy for me. Uh, rainbow jerseys, twelve wins. Uh, you know, look, the the older that I get, the the more I realize that whatever they come out with, um, and you know, it doesn't matter if I hate them or if I love them or if I'm indifferent to them. Uh, few people care about my opinion, anyways. And certainly, the players, if they love them and they play well in them, like they did against Syracuse. Uh, screw it, you know, let, let them look like the Yankees. Uh, I didn't, I didn't agree with that one, but, uh, you know, they play great in no. those uniforms. So I can't, I can't, uh, argue with the performance. The day is coming. The camo jerseys will come. They're running out of shit. They, they got to do it sooner or later. And you'll never see a happy person on the planet. Then. All right. Uh, question it's, number two. I just hope they don't do it against Navy, Army, or the Air Force because, I mean, those are real soldiers. <laughs> I was so, completely sold that they were going to do it against Army when I saw the, the color palette. I was, I was totally geeked and for obvious reasons they didn't. And I was disappointed, but understood. So, um, all right. Question number two, Brian Kelly retires tonight in a sad tweet about, uh, a hernia surgery. You have two choices to take over Notre Dame football for this season and two choices alone, Bob Davey, Charlie Weiss. <laughs> wow. Oh man, a tough choice. I mean, Bob's in a in a whole heap of uh, cloud of suspicion over the way he's run his program in New England, uh, in, in New England, New Mexico. Uh, <laughs> Charlie's uh, assumedly eating cheeseburgers on his couch somewhere in uh, Connecticut. Uh, I think he still has a home in South Bend, so uh, you know he still has ties to the area. God, I mean, this is like a real Sophie's choice here. I'm. Oh, going this to- is- I'm going to say Charlie Weiss and and forgive me if you, if you, if you guys disagree or whatever, but um, I, I know he's been out of it for a while, but he's, he's kept himself busy in terms of Keep himself fit. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh, he's been paying attention to uh, the, the, the film film tape. And I, and Oh God, I mean, he, he left Kansas in such shambles, but I don't think he would try to do that in Notre Dame. Uh, so if my two, if my only two choices, well, I mean, my my third choice would be dissolve the program immediately and uh, pray for forgiveness. But uh, <laughs> I guess I'm going to go Charlie Charlie Weiss if you uh, if you make me pick between those two. 
Oh, man, he's going to pick up a paycheck again. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so Darren Ravel can tweet about it for 10 more years. I can't oh, wait. Every, every year, like clockwork, man, June comes around, they get those tax returns. All right. Well, you know, I personally, so, so we're, we're, we're combating here, and I got camo, and I'm taking Davey. I'll take the allegations over uh, the big man. Uh, so you and I are button heads here. All right, third question. And I can't wait for him to bring back Charlie Weiss Jr. as offensive coordinator and, and then just slip in the transition of Charlie Weiss Jr. taking over for him after he inevitably, uh, you know, does what he does and, uh, you know, has decided <laughs> schematic advantage no longer works in 2019. The family home gets passed on yeah, in exactly. South Bend? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, final question here. You are guaranteed Notre Dame to win national championships two out of the next four seasons if this happens. Which one do you choose? A going back to grass in the stadium, but with a dome, or going to straight up old school AstroTurf uh, in the open air? What do you take? Lord. Grass in a dome. Can you grow grass in a dome? I guess in a partially they, open dome. Right? I mean, I mean, you, I, there, I have no caveats here about <laughs> I, you could have a removable lid, I suppose. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm picturing like like a replica of the dome. I, what, I live, like, I live, like it pops hour, open like a stein. I live an hour and 15 minutes away from the carrier dome. It is like a mausoleum in there. Um, but at the same time, I do love the grass. I think AstroTurf sucks. Uh, God, if you, know, uh, you know, if you take AstroTurf, you're just, you're just wishing hell on every player that plays on it. I right? know. I just think about all the hip injuries that the, you know, the people have suffered on AstroTurf and all the gruesome stuff. I'm going to take grass in the dome and um, God, Lord, forgive us all for, I mean, I'm sure touchdown Jesus or Barry herself is probably crying by that decision, but uh, hey, we just won national championship two out of the four years. So I guess what, what are people? Yeah, so start, what are you complaining about? Yeah, <laughs> got yeah. titles. You did it. <laughs> All right. So there's my three, and uh, I will sit here and await, await yours, my good man. All right. Cool. First question. Fill in the blank. Uh, as I mentioned on the site, there are eight Notre Dame players that are going to be playing for the Alliance of American Football, which starts February 9th, right after the Super Bowl. Your consumption of AAF games this winter will be blank. Oh, about uh, 50% of possible um, broadcasts, oh. at least. You're super yeah, I'll be into, into it. it. I, was a, I was a huge World League kid when I grew, growing up in the 90s. You guys, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in the World League, had like Amsterdam, Berlin, uh, Barcelona, Orlando, Rain Sacramento, Sa San Antonio. Um, I was a huge World League guy and loved it in the spring. So I'm pretty pumped for this, actually. Awesome. Awesome. I want to ask you about a, a, a article you wrote this week for One Foot Down uh, about Eric Kumar. No, I didn't edit it. From uh, Virginia Tech uh, looking to possibly grad transfer to Notre Dame. Uh, first of all, do you have any idea of any kind of interest from Notre Dame's side? And second of all, what might this mean for Maris Lufau's gray shirt situation? Yeah, those are good ones. Um, well, first of all, I th Notre Dame's got interest because he set up an official visit with him. So I, I don't think – Notre Dame's been pretty good about um, denying visits to guys they're not interested in. They, I mean, they did it with, uh, with Cesare Malusi, which is 
you know, if people know already know that's a great name uh, because of, uh, the papacy and the kid was from Naples and and Cesare is a name. But anyways, he was a great four-star running back committed to Clemson, but they turned him away for a visit because he was going to commit on the spot. Uh, as so as the story goes, so they're not they're not someone who's just bringing people in, um, you know, for all that. So I think there there is general interest, and I think Brian Kelly's already shown that that he likes veteran wide receivers. Uh, and I, I know that, that people are saying that it, this isn't like, um, like a Freddie Canteen situation or, um, uh, what was the other kid's name? I can't Cam remember. Smith. Yeah. Cam Smith. Thank you. Um, yeah. this isn't, and it isn't because, um, you know, Kuma has been, he was really productive last season. I mean, on a, on a not so good Virginia tech team. So I think that there is interest there for sure. Um, and as far as this affects the the roster, you know, I, I, I instantly thought about that. I'm like, like, all right, because there was talk about offering the kid over, at, not the kid who committed, but another kid over in Germany, uh, defensive end, um, Joseph Adai or something. I, <laughs> it, it, You're right. The guy who's I, looking at Penn State now, right? Yeah, yeah. Who's, I think is will end up committing to Penn State, but, um, but he, he was a 2019 cycle guy. So, and I started thinking about that, you know, between, you know, Kuma and him, you know, what, what exactly, yeah, you have to wonder what conversations they have with these. And we talked about that before about, um, we think they've done it the, the correct way. Um, and the way they've been up front and honest with, uh, with Louisville and, 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 and with, you know, JD Bertrand, don't forget, you know, him, there was also a conversation about an open scholarship down the road. Um, that it, it's kind of a side you know, a side story in a way with, with Bertrand, you know, as uh, with preferred walk-ons in general and with um, lacrosse pro kicker. Um, Leonard. You know, <laughs> yeah. Lacrosse pro kicker. <laughs> so I actually had to write his name down for, uh, today or yesterday. So I was pretty disappointed in myself, but I did throw lacrosse pro. So I think that there's, <clears throat> there's something that, that they'll have to, um, that's already been said for sure. I think that, They've been up front with him and direct. I don't see that changing at all. But what it means for him, I couldn't tell you at all. I don't know. I, I think I think maybe it was you that said that, you know, there, there's probably four to six guys, or maybe somebody else, there's probably four to six guys we don't know about or, or that we have a general idea that are borderline going to leave the roster, whether it be before spring ball, most likely after spring ball. <clears throat> and so there's got to be some, some wiggle there. I don't think they're going to get themselves in a, in a too much of a mess with a grad transfer coming in on a position that's, that does have numbers. Um, if they want to get a defensive tackle, that'd be great. Uh, we could certainly use the numbers there, but I mean, I mean, let's get specific about it. I mean, I think uh, Devon McKinley is a guy who could definitely um, leave after, after spring and that's a wide receiver. So there's a number for you right there. Uh, and I think McKinley would be a, a candidate for a graduate transfer. I think, I think he um, most likely is going to be graduating this summer. You know, it'd be like a Corey Holmes situation. And McKinley would, would be in a situation where you have two years eligibility too. So I, I guess I'm just going to put my faith in that they've talked to him and it just is what it is. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't really matter. Maybe the whole sell is that he's done a gray shirt pretty much no matter what. And it's just, that's just how it's going to be. Uh, and 
and that that's just my best explanation for it. Well, as the official president of the unofficial Corey Holmes fan club, I really appreciate the uh, Corey Holmes mention. Oh, I know, I know, I know who I'm talking to. Way, way to keep I'm him doing on this the for, radar. I'm doing this for a living, y'all. <laughs> Talk about me being unprepared. Uh, the last question I have. Oh, I'm sorry. No, this is the, the last question I had is, uh, you know, obviously we have many interests outside of Notre Dame, and and one of the questions that I think is burning uh, deepest in, in both of our hearts is. Uh, do the engineers have control over the trains and Thomas and friends, or did the trains just run themselves? I've always been confused by that. You know, it's such an odd relationship. And it really is because they're making all the, the engines themselves are making every decision there is because top of hat's only talking to them. He's not talking to the engine. It's almost like they're like slaves in a way. And, you know, you kind of want to wonder when they're going to rise up and form a union, you know, and get their rights. To own their job it's it's demeaning to watch those guys just sit you know all they're doing is like move, moving get, jumping out and unhitching a, a unhitching and hitching i mean that yeah. seems to be their only real function yeah you know and there's some real safety hazards trains get guys in fucked up situations you know you go back to like king of the railway the guy who's on he's right on steven you're fucked man you're trapped in a cave now yeah. that's all right for a for a train you know, who's like 100 years old, who they already bat, brought back to life like fucking Frankenstein. But that guy ain't Frankenstein. He's sitting in there. He probably already ate his lunch. You know, so, I mean, what's he... What's he yeah. Using oxygen no. by the minute? Yeah. I, yeah, you know, you would think that if they had any say, they would they would have kept some of these guys out of situations. There's, there's no way, you know, like like Thomas floating around on Misty Island, that engineer ain't going to be riding on that fucking wobbly bridge. No way. Oh, so, and we're, yeah. What, why didn't he just sell, sell Topham Hat and say, hey, I'm out over on this weird uh, island you all forgot about? So, yeah, because when Topham Hat's like, yeah, like, why isn't there some kind of communication device, like a walkie talkie? Uh, but, you know, like they have nothing. Like, here's your shovel and here's your hook and that, and go, get in there. You know, I, I'm not even sure if I've ever seen, no, they've got flat, they got flashlight. But I mean, they, they really get caught up in some situations. So they're completely owned. Which I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just a great job for a lazy guy, be a stoner and and just you know smoke a shitload of gods. You're just riding on a train all day. All you got to do is you know go on a hitch here. I mean, it's you got no responsibility. I mean, these guys are racing. I mean, that, that's dangerous. They got coaches in the backs. I mean, anytime Spencer and Gordon see each other, you know the shot of adrenaline and testosterone gets crazy. You know, and they're they're trying to race each other. Well, they got coaches, and, and you know, and Spencer's got the Duke and Duchess in there. You can be messing that up. That you know, that's you might be screwed up the royal line. So no, I, I think these guys are just they're, they're total plebes. And if they were smart, they would uh, organize and, uh, yes. and get yeah, a union. Yeah. All right, good. Well, I want to bring uh, Lino and Brad back in and tear and tell us where we got it wrong about any of your questions because oh, I, yeah. I have no opinion on that last one. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till you have some sons in your life <laughs> i mean and you will have a strong opinion trust me you want to go for another hour on that that's fine i'll just listen no, we over our <laughs> well, there. don't worry about it one thing that i was a little confused about i mean i'm all for uh having notre dame play in a dome with natural grass if it means two national championships but wouldn't the grass die if it's if we're playing in a dome here no you know out in arizona you just wheel out in the joy slot oh yeah, yeah to grow. That, that, does South Bend get enough sunshine to do that, though? I'm thinking uh, I'm going to be playing on a bunch of dirt by the time it's all said and done. 
Oh, I, I, I think, I think they could, I think they could manage it. I mean, they couldn't grow grass inside the stadium as it was, but I mean, I, I guarantee you they'll figure out a way for. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. I also wouldn't mind the camo jerseys if it meant a national championship either. See, that's why third floor wise hall is dominant right there. Wait a second. Exactly. Wait a second. I get 12 wins with the rainbow Jersey. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. 10 wins ain't going to get you there. Yeah. But this is, this is Sydney talking right here, man. You gotta look good. Good. I got to see the rainbow jerseys first. You know, <laughs> You know, it may, maybe with those ten wins, still get you in the playoff. You know, <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, you know. and it's like the uh, the Deion Sanders quote: "You look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good." And it might get him ten wins that year, but down the road, you know, it's something to build on. Yeah, because mind you, I'd only said I was only talking regular season. So if ten wins can get us into the playoffs, which some years it could if your schedule's strong enough and it's played yeah. right, it, you theoretically could then you could ride to a national title on your camo jerseys. Yeah. I tell you what, though, they got awfully close to camo jerseys at that Arizona – or the uh, Army game in San Antonio. The I'm color scheme, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, I was jonesing pretty hard that week thinking that was coming. I was, <laughs> I, I was looking at the bank account because I was about to buy everything. Yeah. And, and as, as someone who hates the Yankees, I did really like the Yankee jerseys this year, too. You did like them? I did, yeah. Oh, I like I love the pinstripe pants. I thought they were awesome. Oh, man. I thought they looked a lot better on the field than they did in pictures, but I still they, didn't like them. They did. They I mean, if I'm being, if I'm being honest and and I've said it before, they did look better in person than they did with that terrible reveal. But the, it, they're just so to me they were just so they were just so bad in such bad taste. There right. was these completely sold out to another brand over. And I just, I, I can't have that. They just, I could see them, you know, you give the nod, but you don't give them, you know, your butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you gotta play prison. It's like, it's like uniforms <laughs> are like prison rules. All right. You give the nod, <laughs> silent nod, but you don't walk by shaking your ass. And that's think, exactly what Notre Dame did with New York, with the Yankees. I think we can all agree, though, they did make up for it and the green jerseys at, uh, against Florida State. Yeah, I, you know, I really liked them. Now, I'll tell you, up in the press box, it was freaking impossible. to, to, to You couldn't see the numbers. I mean, you just could not. I don't yeah, know, I'm not I don't a fan of the blue numbers. The television broadcast, you could see them a lot better. But up there, you just – you really had – I mean, you, you – you know who's out there, I suppose, but still, you know, you coming out of a pile, you're kind of squinting and looking, and you just really had no base to go off. There wasn't even a good like they needed a better like outline if you're going to do blue numbers. It, that uh, that the color worked for me, but yeah, the numbers were. Eh. I think if you're going to wear green, the numbers should be either gold or white. If you're going to do green, blue shouldn't be anywhere in the. Yeah, I mean, I think they need to just go back to. The throwbacks we wore in 2007, the 77 uniforms. I mean, I'm a huge, huge um, proponent for that. I mean, at some point, that's got to happen. I mean, my my all-time favorite uniform combination for any sport and, and any team is the green jerseys they wore in 2005 and 2006 against USC and Army. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of people's favorites. And I, I 
maybe I'm just too much of a contrarian where I liked them, but they, to me, they were, they felt a little more boring where I just, I just felt that those, I even liked like the jerseys they wore against BC and, and uh, 2000 better. And that's just my personal taste, but I think 99% of Notre Dame fans would definitely agree with the, the green jerseys from 05 and 06. Guys, how many years are we away from a, where gold is the primary jersey color? Oh, a color rush? They wore those in the spring game once, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. In the tie year. I remember, yeah. Yeah. So if we're talking primary, you're saying they're doing away with blue? Well, you're not saying, you're not suggesting that, are you? I don't don't see that happening. I think they'll do an all gold. I think they'll do an all gold at some point. Especially the way that, that Under Armour likes to promote that, but. I don't know. I mean, I like to see them wear some like disco gold, like like the girls in all those shiny gold pants at the games, like <laughs> break out like a full uniform that shiny, like <laughs> like like super space invader shiny. Deal from uh, Brandon Hardy's. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, get to that guy. Yeah, hey, he's working for Under Armour now, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so you just stick on in. All right. Well, we're running a little bit over what we want to, but that's all right. Uh, good conversation here. So. Again, uh, check us all out over at uh, One Foot Down. Um, we're we're pounding away at the stories, and uh, maybe pounding isn't the right word, but a lot of good content over there. We're going to continue to put these podcasts out um, each week, hoping to bring you a little something different. And uh, along the way, we're going to be learning and and uh, trying to do this uh, the right way. So, again, for Brad, Lino, and Jude, I'm Josh Foles, and uh, go Irish. Oof.